I want you to all think past this past week. I want you to think about the various things you experienced that called for endurance to run the race that you are running. Maybe it is an illness, or maybe it's a prodigal child, or maybe it's a temptation, or maybe it's a trial or a stressful job or a slanderer. Something that you can look back on this week and say, boy, I needed to endure, and God helped me to do that, to endure. Last week, as was mentioned, we had our first sermon in Hebrews chapter 12 on endurance, and we learned at that time that when we copy the courage of the Son of God, we endure, and when we can be assured of God's love, even though he may be spanking us necessarily at the time, we can also know spiritual endurance. And now to conclude the chapter this morning, we're going to look at verses 14 to 29 of Hebrews chapter 12 to see the third thing that will help us to endure in our races. And it is the enablement of the grace of God. The enablement of the grace of God. I'm going to begin reading in the chapter of verse 14. I'm going to make a comment after verse 14. Hear the word of God. Pursue peace with all men and the sanctification without which no one will see the Lord. By the way, I hope you can see that you and I have a part in helping others run their race. As it were, we can be part of the grace that God wants to give fellow runners by praying for them, by being a model for them, by helping them, by teaching them. And so we can see that uh, we will make our paths straight, of others straight, In verse 12, we will strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and will make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. So you and I have a part in the delivery of God's grace for the endurance of other saints who are around us. And so it's the enablement of God's grace we're focusing in on this morning to help us endure. And going back to your individual races... I want to say that if you feel tired living for Christ, if you feel exhausted living the Christian life, you you ought not to be surprised because the race that is set before each of us is hard. It's figuratively uphill. It's going against the grain of culture and society. It's difficult. And so day by day as you run the race, if you find yourself weary, uh, you're not alone. But there is solution for your weariness to persevere and to endure during your race, and it's the grace of God. I might say that the grace of God is the Gatorade of running the Christian race. God's grace will help us to endure our various races so that we will not quit and we also will not disqualify ourselves in sin as we run the race. And if you run the race, and if I run the race with the Gatorade of God's grace, you will have a good testimony. We will have a holy life. We will have a persevering life. We will have a life that points to a supernatural reality within us as the only explanation for our endurance through the uh, vicissitudes of life. I think of the grace of God given to Joseph in the Old Testament to endure, or Ruth, or Peter, or Esther, or John, or Paul. All of these Old and New Testament saints ran with endurance the race that was set before them because they tapped into God's grace. And by the way, when we fail to tap into God's grace as we run our race, we are running only in our own resources, which are limited, which are faltering, which are not 
uh, sufficient to run the race that is before us. And we stumble if we're not tapping into God's grace as we run the race. And guess what? If we should stumble, if we should stumble in the race before us, it will cause many times others who observe us, who run with us, to also stumble. Do you doubt that? There are biblical examples of this. Abraham's lying led to his wife Sarah's lying. The 10 Spies that spied out the promised land with a negative report that it was unconquerable. Their fear spread to the fear of the whole nation of Israel. Or Ananias in the New Testament who lied to the Holy Spirit about property sold. His wife Sapphira lied about it too. You see, when we falter, when we do tap into God's grace to run the race, it can make us stumble and others who watch us stumble. Or there was Lot. His greed spilled over to his wife there in Sodom and Gomorrah. Or there was David's weakness about women that led to his son Solomon's 700 wives and 300 concubines. In these days, I'm sorry to report that Rabbi Zacharias's cover-up of personal sin led some in his RZIM ministry to also cover that up. You see, when we don't tap into God's grace and we stumble in the race, our stumbling can cause others who are with us and watching us to also stumble. Of course, we don't want to do that as fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And for us not to stumble and for us to properly tap into God's grace, where are we to look? The text helps us. Where are we to look? We should look back. We should look up. And we should look ahead. See that with me in our text for today, please. Running the race with the Gatorade of God's grace involves looking back. The example in the text is the bad example of Esau. It involves looking up. That's at the glory of the heavenly city. And that's looking ahead to an unshakable kingdom of Jesus Christ for a thousand years on planet Earth. To see this, I'm going to read verses 25 to 29 in our text. 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall they escape who turn away from him who warns them from heaven. And This expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as the created things in order that those things cannot be shaken by what remains. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and with awe. And so we look back, we look up, and we look ahead to an unshakable kingdom. Let's take this one by one. Let's take this by the first point, looking back at Esau, verses 15 to 17, please. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God. That's not tapping into God's grace to run the race. See to it that no one comes short of the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springing up causes trouble, and by it many be defiled. 
And there no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected for he found no place for repentance though he sought for it with tears. So we have to look back in this case to a negative example of a man who ran his race without tapping into God's grace. He was named Esau. He sold his birthright. He lacked spiritual diligence. He became bitter against others. He was extremely immoral. He lived for the world, and he operated out of his own flesh. We don't want to do that. So not only are we to look back when we race at Esau to run with endurance, to tap into God's grace, we also need to have a look up, a look up at the heavenly city to be more specific, 18 through 24. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and to a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of trumpet and the sound of words which sound was such that those who heard and begged that no further words should be spoken to them for they could not bear the command even if a beast touches the mountain it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said I am full of fear and trembling. Verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. So we're not only to look back at negative example Esau, we are to look up at the heavenly city. The heavenly city is described as uh, heavenly Mount Zion in contrast with earthly Mount Sinai. Earthly Mount Sinai was when God revealed his law. Do you remember? That was Mount Sinai. But that's contrasted to a heavenly Mount Zion where God's grace for his church is fully realized. This heavenly mount, this city for which the patriarchs' eyes longed, listen to what it says in Hebrews 11, the chapter previous, beginning with verse 10, 11.10. For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. That's the heavenly Mount Zion. Still in chapter 11, verses 14 to 16, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16, But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Oh, yes. Heaven is real. It's not a state of mind. It's not a balance in your checkbook. It's not a happy life on earth. Heaven is a place of real estate on God's map. Heaven is real. And it's called in this verse, these verses, the heavenly Mount Zion. Who is there in this real city of heaven to which we are to look up to run with endurance the race that God has set before us? Well, the triune God is there, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And too many angels to count are there. And the church, the body and bride of Christ is there. And the Old Testament saints, the Jewish people 
who exercised faith in the ways that God called them to exercise faith in various dispensations in the Old Testament. They'll be there. And so many other blessings. Someone said this week that I heard that if we knew what heaven is actually like, we would applaud when every believer dies. I wonder why we think so little about heaven. Have you ever wondered that? If it's our prize, why do we generally think so little about it? Maybe it's because we have it too good on earth. One way to grab onto God's grace is to gaze up on his heaven with eyes of faith. Last as to where to look as we run the race with the Gatorade of God's grace is to look ahead. Look ahead in human history to where we now stand in 2021 to look beyond 2021 to what the scriptures have to say about what is coming for us to look ahead Verses 25 to uh, 29, chapter 12. 25 to 29. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less shall they escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more I will shake Not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things in order that those things cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. We're to look ahead. One day, Jesus' prayers phrase to the Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One day that's going to happen. When King Jesus ascends the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, sits on David's literal throne and rules earth with an iron scepter, the lamb who came at Christmas becomes the lion of Judah who comes to rule and to reign on earth. But you know what? So far, so much of what we see around us is shakable. More than shakable, so much of what we see right now is shaken. Earthly, tied to temporal history here on earth. Sin saturated. Satan on a tether, but on that tether allowed to wreak havoc of every nation, in every nation on the globe. I will never forget the shocking June 2020 images of America crumbling, spray-painted, on fire. National monuments and all variety of cemeteries desecrated. Police killing black individuals unjustly. I will never forget the persons who were shot and the bystanders attacked in the neighborhoods under siege. Anarchy, domestic terrorism, looting, flag and Bible burning, assaults, killings. Please hear me now. I'm not happy to say the next thing I'm going to say. Our God was, and our God still is, 
judging and tearing down the current and flimsy scaffolding which certain persons in America have erected, cheerfully leaving Jesus Christ out of everything. Cheerfully leaving absolute truth of any nature out of everything. Flimsy scaffoldings, scaffoldings without any thought of God. Abortion, racism, greed, pornography, euthanasia, sex trafficking, alcohol, rebellion against parents, adultery, pedophilia, situational ethics, cheating in school and in business, cesspool, morality, LBGTQ perversions, transgender athletics in dressing rooms and bathrooms, the loss of absolute truth, flimsy scaffoldings that America's had built, the loss of human kindness and civility, aggression, intolerance, gambling that the government sponsors, which is really a tax on greed, absolutely no place for God in Congress or the Senate, stated explicitly of late. The Equality Act, the loss of the freedom of speech in America. Same-sex marriage, cryogenics, abuse, gender confusion, Sharia law creeping closer to reality. Flimsy scaffolding erected by those who hate the truth and hate the Son of God. Drugs, white-collar crime, stock market crash, national debt, gangs, bad cops, abandoned wives and children, suicides. That's where we live. And it's not just in America. Sin has stained and made very shakable all the nations of the earth in the hour in which we preach and live. The question becomes, will we, the church, run the race that Christ has set before us with grace and strength? Will we be salt and light? Will we endure? Or... According to the passage, will the church come short of God's grace? That's verse 15. Or will refuse to turn away from Christ the judge? Verse 25. Will we be shaken and ungrateful? That's verse 28. Will the church endure the race that is set before us in 2021? Will we refuse in fear and compromise to offer our God reverent service in the public square and in the church? That's verse 28. Will we fail to endure because we have stopped seeing our God as a consuming fire? Verse 29. God is a consuming fire. Not the man upstairs, not our co-pilot, not the topic of any joke, not the one who grades on the curve. God is a consuming fire, not one of many ways to forgiveness and heaven and your best life now, not irrelevant, not one way of self-improvement, not an idea that's been old-fashioned and marginalized and irrelevant. No, our God is a consuming fire. 
and God Almighty is ripping down the godless scaffolding in America and here in the Bahamas and all nations of the earth, a scaffolding built on very shakable things, in favor of bringing in one day something unshakable, something firm, something righteous, the kingdom of Christ. And so the question becomes, will we let our eyes wander in spiritual adultery around us and see all the flimsy scaffolding that's been erected in our country and other countries and gravitate to that and cease to run the race with endurance? The two unshakable things that we can anticipate that God will bring about is a coming kingdom of Christ that I've been talking about on earth, a thousand-year millennial kingdom which is unshakable. Any opponents to Jesus Christ, King Jesus, in that thousand-year kingdom of Christ on earth will be judged immediately, no deferral. The second unshakable thing that we can look forward to is that new heaven and the new earth, which is also, of course, unshakable. If you want key chapters, just two for each of these things. For the coming kingdom, see Isaiah 11 or Romans chapter 8. And for the new unshakable heaven and the new unshakable earth, see Revelation chapters 21 and 22 on your own time. But may I say this, may the prospect of God's unshakable things in the context of so much that is shakable cause us to run the race set before us with endurance with the courage of the Son of God in view, with the assurance of the love of God in view, even if we are spanked, with the enablement of God's grace, and we could add with the certainty of the coming rulership of God. 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, that is inspirations, so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not a casual glance, not a periodic blink, but fixing our eyes on Jesus as he's revealed in his word, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured, Jesus endured, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, for consider him. When you fix your eyes on him, you can't help but consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and lose heart. Want to run the race with endurance? Fix your eyes on Jesus. Understand what he endured. Understand the courage of the Son of God. Understand the assurance of God's love. Understand the enablement of God's grace. Understand the certainty of a coming rulership of God. Let's run our race with endurance. The scaffolding around us is shakable. And one day it will crash down. God is already ripping it down globally. Run it with endurance by the grace of God for the glory of God. Let us pray. Savior, you endured perfectly. Remind us often that we have a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. They are positive examples of believers in the Old Testament who ran their own races very well. 
our inspirations, not our cheerleaders. Lord Jesus, so that we will better endure, help us to look at those Old Testament winners and let us also look at ourselves so that we could see our flesh, which endangers the endurance in our race, to see our sins, which both need to be cast off as we run. Lord Jesus, help us to run with endurance our races, not quitting or causing ourselves to be disqualified. Lord, we realize that running with such endurance requires intently looking at you. Forgive us when we have only periodically glanced your way. Lord, as you grant to us grace to endure in your truth and service and gospel, as we race me, our endurance preserve our purity, preserve and enhance our testimonies, and show the Lord Jesus Christ to be as great as he truly is. We pray these things in the name of the one who endured so much for us, in the precious name of Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.